Today on the podcast, we've got Dr. Krista Kirk back with us to talk about the church and mental health. Check it out. Hey, everybody, welcome back or welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. And uh, this upcoming weekend, 4th of July weekend. Oh, baby. Any big plans? Oh, you know it. 4th of July in the Berry House is an extravaganza. It is a big one, right? Doesn't Jen really get into it? Yeah, yeah. We've always, we've always, I mean, it's been a big deal, even though we don't do crazy stuff, but we always get family together and yeah, one of our favorite holidays. So, Will this be your first 4th of July with a dog in your house? No, we've had a dog before, but... Oh, I'm sorry, f- with your new dog. With our new puppy. dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the other uh, one died. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, well, you know, we are talking about mental health on this episode, so I'm just <laughs> yes. trying to prime the pump here. No, yeah, first one with our with our new dog, so... Um, because dogs are... Uh, I guess this will be our... No, this isn't our first, but um, dogs are just so jittery. Like, in our neighborhood, and we happen to live in the same neighborhood, um, people are setting fireworks off. Like, oh, that's true. Yeah, he'll probably be losing his I, mind. Yeah, I remember last year, like, Mickey couldn't sleep at night because he just was so, like, weirded out by it all. Yeah. I mean, I was setting some off right next to his crate, but. <laughs> <laughs> wow, listen, a little little he'd firework a, or two never hurt a dog. He'd been a naughty boy. He needed to learn a lesson. Yeah, so, yeah, but, well, I'm excited. We're, we'll uh, Pool will be going. We'll have family over, play games. Fourth of July weekend feels like, um, if you don't eat a hot dog, did you celebrate, right? Yeah. Doesn't that feel like that's the 4th of July go-to yep. food? Yeah, and my have. favorite hot dog is is the Hoffman's White Dogs. Yeah, which is brown spicy mustard, or did you do more than no, that? No, I I hate mustard. I'm not a mustard guy, so. What? Yeah, hate it. What yep. was the other thing we were talking about the other day that you don't like? I couldn't believe. Oh, nuts. You don't like nuts on your pad thai. Well, I like, I like nuts just like snacking. I don't like them in food, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, uh, man, I'm a I'm a very strange creature, you know. Yeah. So a lot what do you put on what do you put on that white dog then? Uh, ketchup. Okay. Yeah. Because I think the idea of those dogs is to go with spicy brown mustard. I mean, Probably, that's, but that's the idea. But you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I love a good ketchup on there. It's, yeah. That's happy Fourth, everybody. If you're yep. celebrating, and hope you have a wonderful time. Absolutely, be safe and be thankful. Don't and blow your hand off with a firework. That's right. Keep all your fingers. Yep. Well, last episode, we had a great conversation with Dr. Krista Kirk about the leadership sort of self-care approach to mental health. Yeah. You you sobbed for about 20 minutes after we right. ended that last but podcast. But then I ran, then I went straight to the gym because <laughs> as she pointed out, um, there's a lot of, I forget the word she used, something that helps us feel better in our gut. Right. And at first I felt great about that because I thought that I must have a lot of it. Well, you shouldn't have followed up with a bucket of KFC chicken <laughs> as soon as you got out of the gym. I was very conflicted. I was just <laughs> trying to follow her advice. Um, but no, we, we're glad to have Krista back, a good friend of ours. And um, on this episode, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about how we help people, specifically those of you that are listening that serve within a local church. You're a pastor, you're a leader in a, in a local church. And and how do we help? And, and what are some of the issues that we have to work through at a local church level to even approach this conversation correctly or wisely? So, Krista, welcome back. Thanks welcome for back. being part of our podcast. Two episodes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, the first one's out. So my guess is you've already probably been experiencing a lot of fame, probably hard to go out in the street. Is that true? <laughs> I've had a few autographs here and there. Yeah. yeah. Our fan base is pretty rabid. I'm sure one of our moms reached out to you. 
Oh, man. Well, thank you for being back with us. Really enjoyed our first conversation. We're excited about um, about this one as well. This, this episode, um, we really want to kind of provide some helpful thoughts for, you know, I'm a pastor in a local church. Uh, Krista, you're married to a pastor in a local church. Jared is has local church ministry and works with pastors in churches. And and sometimes there is an expectation um, that pastors provide some form of care in this area. And I'll just be honest up front. I feel terribly unqualified in these moments. Um, mm. I'm very quick to let people know up front. I'm not an expert on this. I don't have education in this. Um, I'll listen and talk, and I can provide some spiritual guidance, but I really feel like I'm very quick to refer to professionals in this conversation. However, I know that uh, while we talked about in the last episode, everyone can benefit from a counselor, professional counselor. There is some sort of triaging that can happen at the local church level with a pastor who is equipped and has the heart to serve people well. And so just to kind of start the conversation, um, what are some of the things that you, in your being around pastors and being around a local church, you mentioned in the last episode, you're, you're a pastor's kid, your grandpa was a pastor, lots of pastors in your family. What are some of the things that even as pastors we have to overcome, maybe preconceived ideas, biases, stigmas, misunderstandings related to someone who comes to us with a mental health issue? Yeah, this kind of goes back to last week's discussion about, or the last podcast, um, where we as leaders, there's a lot of expectation on us and there's a lot of expectation for us. So we we want to be not only do people expect us to be everything we want to be everything mm. and what you were just saying about you're very quick to say you know this isn't my area of expertise i'm going to refer as needed that's actually that is light years ahead i think from what a lot of leaders can actually say and do because that takes an ounce of humility to say i don't i'm not a fix all in this area and so I think perhaps that's the first step, recognizing, well, what is my scope here? Who am I? And that goes back to what we were talking about. We have those three parts of us, the psych- psychological, the physical, and the spiritual. And all three are, are needed to be tended to. And so we as spiritual leaders for people, a part of that is recognizing how much there is to a person that we can't necessarily always fix and hold with them and for them. And so until we recognize that, I think perhaps there's this stigma or assumption around what we need to be for people Mm -hmm. and um, being able to take a step back and just say, all right, where am I in this situation? And just because you're going to refer to somebody for their professional help doesn't mean you're leaving that person hanging. You're still with them. It's interesting because as you were saying this, I was thinking like if, so if someone in the church came to me and said, I have a physical condition, I wouldn't apologize (laughs) for not being able to help them. I wouldn't be like, well, right. I'm gonna, I'll do. I mean, I can cut into you and get in there a little bit, but I'm not a, you know, I don't really actually. I'm not have, a heart surgeon, so yeah, I apologize. I don't have yeah. expertise or education. I would just recognize that there's an obvious limitation. I think mm-hmm. it probably just speaks to the issue that we definitely. Um, I'll speak for myself. View physical health challenges differently than mental health mm-hmm. challenges, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there are, there are, are some obvious differences, of course. But in terms of like our approach as leaders, what are some things that you've noticed? Uh, when someone approaches a leader saying they're struggling with mental health, that maybe we have to be careful we don't react 
uh, in an unhealthy way as opposed to someone Mm -hmm. coming to us with like a physical health issue. Yeah, so I guess the question you want to ask yourself first is what's my immediate reaction to what they just said? And typically, this goes back to the self-awareness piece that we talked about at the last podcast. What's going on within me as they just told me what they said? Is it immediate judgment? Is it immediate sadness? Is it I'm trying to fix it? So first, asking yourself, what's going on within me? What What's my immediate thought on this? And taking a hold of that and discriminate against it. Figure out whether or not it's accurate. Because if we don't, we can jump into something called spiritual bypass, where mm-hmm. We put this band-aid over something with a scripture verse or a biblical principle that is very real and true to the situation and isn't necessarily going to be that surgery that's needed. It's a band-aid over a major surgery. And so the integration of both the psychological piece and the spiritual piece is needed. And so rather than immediately saying, well, this is what you need to do. This is what the scripture says. God has these promises. Jesus is this person for you. And they know these things. They already know these things. They're a part of your church community or faith community. And if they're not, likely they're not going to listen to that stuff anyway. So they already know these things. And so we need to be careful to not jump to an immediate assumption that that spiritual part of us is where the problem really is. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I think I found this to be true in, in my life and the people I know. Like Dave and I talk about this. We believe that the gospel the good news of Jesus is what our hearts need every day for every situation and the okay. things that we struggle with. However, just knowing and hearing the gospel, sometimes there's things in our life disconnects. And mentally, there's some people that have issues where there's chemical imbalances. There's things in the physical that they also need addressed. That mm. although, yes, the gospel is great and being around that is is awesome and helpful, but there's another step that is not, it's not not the gospel, and it's not not the right. church. It's right. a part of it, but it's in a deeper way. And mm-hmm. and so, how do how do we as leaders and pastors know? How do we understand that? How do we assess that versus? How do we know the difference between someone that's maybe needs that level or really of care versus someone who it's like, hey, they just need to be reminded of their gospel identity and. And so what would you say to for leaders or pastors who may be on unsure footing and figuring out what's what? Well, and that's hard, right, because every situation is different and you don't necessarily know there's not a black and white. What I can say is that there will always be a uh, a practice that can be very helpful in our ministry and truthfully, even in our relationships. And that's to start taking the word but out of our vocabulary and replacing it with the word and so there's this spiritual issue or there's this physical issue but perhaps they just need to have more spiritual disciplines Mm -hmm. my mental health is struggling but it's because i haven't been to church in a while and so as as soon as we're able to recognize how much we say the word but and it negates the first half of the sentence we'll see how powerful the and can be there is this mental health issue and i haven't been 
to church in a while. There's this physical issue and I'm really struggling with my mental health. And so whenever we immediately want to jump to advice giving with somebody, especially as leaders, we need to recognize that there is always an and and not a but so that we don't negate those other parts of the person that's sitting in front of us. And so recognizing whatever that is, whether it's a mental health issue or not, I can really help you pray through this and walk through this with you. And I don't necessarily know if there are other things going on. Let's go to a mental health professional together, Hmm. which, by the way, you're allowed to do if you're if you're if the person in your church wants their pastor to come with them into the session, you're allowed to do that. Now, whether or not you should do that for your own self-care is another question. That's just something that's allowed to be done. So whenever we ask ourselves, is this something where I should step in or not? I would say put the and in there. Yes, I should step in. And should other people be a part of it too? There's a theological underpinning here too that we have to, I think, just acknowledge, which is that the curse, right? So the biblical worldview tells us that there is the fall of man and that there's a curse that we all live under. Jesus took our curse, but um, we're not living fully in the blessing of the kingdom now, right? We're kind of in this in-between time of of what Christ has done for us and fully receiving it. I say that to say this. Sometimes there's this idea that like the brokenness of our lives is just limited to our spirits mm. and that the, the curse has only affected our spirits or our spiritual, but the curse is clearly, I mean, right from the beginning, Genesis 3, the curse immediately fa- affects creation and the way in which we do our work and the way in which we relate to each other, mm-hmm. this immediate awareness of nakedness, this immediate insecurity that came along with that, the blame and the shame. And so the idea that like the curse affects our minds, it affects our bodies, and so yeah. and it affects our spirits as well. And so being willing to identify that this is all a result of what we're um, of sin in, on, a, on a macro level, um, mm-hmm. but that it allows us to feel at least it makes me feel more confident to speak to these issues and acknowledge that these issues are real and not just spiritual. Um, right. the, the curse has affected our minds and our bodies as well. Um, yeah. You talked a little bit at the end of the last episode about advice giving and kind of the trap of feeling like that's what mental health um, is all about or counseling is all about. Mm-hmm. And I think like as a pastor, that's, that's probably where I often feel most unsure um, I think I'm wary of giving advice because people might follow it <laughs> and then right. you feel like responsible for what happens next. I think I feel in, uh, inadequate to give advice at times because the situations they're bringing to me are way beyond anything I've walked through myself. So can you help us just, is there a different way we can think about our role as pastors and leaders in the church that allows us to remove the pressure of advice giving and approach it completely differently? Yeah. Yeah, there's a difference between advice giving and burden sharing in that when somebody comes to you, they are looking for you to make it better. And the same thing happens with me as a counselor. They come to me and they want it to just be better. And they're hoping both for the pastor, the leader, and for the counselor, they're hoping that I would have this quick fix that would be that, you know, major surgery that's needed. And in the same capacity, I'm unable to do that. Leaders are unable to do that. However, there is such power 
And I've seen this both in the church and in my counseling room. There is such power in simple validation, Hmm. in simple empathy, and recognizing whenever that's happening, whenever that advice monster starts to come up within you, wanting to give them advice of what to do, that's a beautiful gift from the Holy Spirit to say, all right, David, all right, Krista, all right, Jared. This is your, this is the trigger that's going off in your mind. Here's your gift to take a step back and recognize that this is not the time to tell them what to do differently. This is the time to share that burden. Mm. And deep empathy is not sympathy. Empathy is seeing through their eyes, feeling with their heart, hearing with their ears and conveying it back to them. So empathy is not just, I feel really sad with you. It's me telling you, conveying that to them. I am with you in this. That is burden sharing. So burden sharing is not saying, how can I help you fix this? Or how can I tell you what you need to do to fix it? Burden sharing is actually conveying your deep empathy and seeing, we talked about safety last time, being safe and seen in their vulnerability, you being that safe person to validate that this is really tough. And yes, it might be a sin issue. It might be a physical issue. And burden sharing is seeing through their eyes and conveying that with your heart to them. So that's what I would say that's where the leader, the pastor continues to, that's where you sit and continue to sit even after they get the professional help. Wow. Did my wife talk to you about our marriage? <laughs> Cause this sounds like something that she said to me before. It's powerful. It's yeah. powerful. Yeah. Well, and that is, I think some people have the, the leaning cause I'm like this and I know David's like this too. We tend to be fixers, right? Where it's like, <laughs> Someone says a problem and our immediate reaction is like, okay, well, let me help you to solve the problem. And I've literally had this conversation with my wife. She's like, I, I wasn't asking you to solve the problem. I just wanted you to affirm yeah. how I feel. And I'm like, well, I don't, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> then why, yeah. am I, why am I even here? <laughs> why? And that's 99% of couples counseling right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's really good. Um, I'm interested as you were talking to, the thought came to me about, the feeling and perception of people in these churches about mental health and their situation and the benefit. I, I was, as you were sharing, I thought about this is like the, the benefit that this makes generationally cannot be overstated. Like as mm-hmm. someone finds clarity and health in their emotions and mental, their mental health, like that changes them. It changes their marriage, which impacts their children, which Absolutely. then those kids are then carry that into their eventual marriage. And they're I'm like talking about generational impact. Mm-hmm. If we can encourage this in our churches and amongst our peoples. So mm-hmm. how, what would be your kind of advice for lead pastors about kind of authenticity and transparency and making this a more normal part of the conversation so that people can step into this, this mental health. You know, I am going to pull from Rick Warren. Actually, if you're not familiar with his story, he had some tragedy in his family with uh, mental illness and suicide of one of his children. And he and his wife, uh, Kay, I believe her name is, they came up with this framework in the church of how mental health can function and be a part of the dialogue. 
And the way that they de- delivered it, I just think is so brilliant. And if you haven't heard of this, you can look it up. I'm sure you can Google it. But they look at it like a crawl, walk, run strategy. In the crawl area, it doesn't require a lot of training. It doesn't require a lot of money or paid staff. And it's just normalizing mental health in everyday conversations. So that includes talking about it in your sermons. Um, having specific prayer times for people who might be struggling with mental illness or just in general want to improve their mental health. It might be, you know, having a referral list on your website or something that's accessible without somebody needing to actually reach out and say, hey, can you help me find somebody? Just this part of life, of everyday life, where you can integrate the conversation very naturally as a way of normalizing it. And then in the walk carrot category, once you once you've started that crawl, the walk category, it still requires a little bit of financial support and training, but it's not necessarily something that only mega churches can do that have tons of money. It can be just specifically tailoring a sermon about mental illness. I know Rob did this a few years ago where we did a let's let's talk series and we talked about some of the biggest issues politics, sexuality, and mental illness. And so specifically highlighting times where you can talk about it. It's not just an integration in everyday conversation, but it's actually dedicated time to talk about mental health. Then you could have a, um, a celebrate recovery group or something that requires some training, some financial support, but is a, is something that's feasible for people and leaders in within a church setting who can, you know, integrate not only just the everyday talk, but actually do it in practice. And then the run category uh, the Warrens talk about is where, you know, there is financial need. There are areas where training is needed, where you bring in uh, professionals. I've had people have me come in and do workshops uh, for leaders to train them in recognizing mental health, recognizing illness and what they can do, holding mental health support groups, maybe even having their own counseling ministry. And so that obviously takes a bit more training and efforts, but each in those areas, your crawl, walk and run, every leader can find something within that that is feasible and realistic for their local church, for their community, and even outside of the the church, you know, within their community settings, how they can normalize this conversation. So it's no longer just a huge step and a huge burden that we have to figure out how to navigate. Instead, it just becomes a part of the everyday conversation. I love that. I love that concept too. I was thinking one, would you say one good kind of crawl, it was crawl, walk, run. One good Mm -hmm. crawl thing for lead pastors would be just you start getting counseling yourself, right? I mean, th- that seemed like that would make sense to create some clarity and just understand what the process would look like and and be willing to share about that from the pulpit, some vulnerability. Yeah, there's there is definitely a lot to say about a leader who you want to follow who is open about their vulnerability. Very often, Rob and I will talk in open settings about how we've we've had counseling before. We've had counseling individually, and we've had counseling together. And w- 
I can't even tell you how many times people have come up to me and said, I can't believe you just admitted that that was something that you do. Hmm. And I actually love that because it says to me, all right, they respect me enough to actually be shocked by the fact that I would say that. And it's not until we're actually open and honest that this is something that should be normalized will we actually be able to you know, communicate that in our everyday living. So we can tell people to do it all day long, but until we're sitting in that other seat, I'm not sure that it's really going to be normalized that much. And so I, I believe in seeing a counselor like I would see a doctor. You see a counselor as your yearly checkup. I haven't seen my counselor in probably six months, and I'm probably due for a check-in, talk about life, how things are going, anything you want to focus on more, anything you want to work on, communication, anything like that. I do checkups. And that's really important because if I'm going to be somebody who's leading somebody who's struggling, I need to be healthy in a way mm. that I can actually uplift them. I think what you just said, that last sentence is so crucial for leaders to hear that there is even more at stake than, you know, obviously the most important thing is your your personal health, but there are significant leadership implications when we are not healthy. And mm -hmm. those things, you know, we can bury them for a while. You can try and cover them up for a while, but eventually they surface. And if they're unaddressed, they can surface in really terrible ways. And it's shocking to people, but it's shocking because there's been a lack of transparency and vulnerability along the journey. And yeah. um, I think that's a, you know, that that's definitely something that we need to hear. You were referencing Rick and Kay Warren. I just was, while you were talking, Kay Warren has a website. It's K K A Y Warren with two R's, kaywarren.com. And then um, there's a lot of links on the homepage to mental health uh, resources, but backslash mental health and the church, all one word, mental health and the church. I just was looking at it as you were talking. It's an amazing resource. I, I wasn't aware of it. And they use that crawl, walk, run language that you were using, and they have bullet points under each of them to just say, here's some things you can be doing. So if you're listening and you're a leader of a church, you're a youth pastor, you're just looking for next steps that you can take, uh, definitely check out kwarren.com backslash mental health and the church. I think I just Googled Rick Warren crawl, walk, run, and it was one of the top hits. So um, awesome. yeah, thankful, thankful for that. And, and I mean, it is kind of, it's interesting how a lot of the voices on this conversation, they almost had to have a crisis to see its value. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's necessarily true of Rick and Kay because I don't know their story. But a lot of times that's what I hear. Like I was burnt out. I was spent. I didn't realize, you know, and, thing, and, and you know, you talked a lot about normalizing this conversation. I think sometimes leaders normalize the way they're feeling and don't call it what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're just like, it's just hard being a leader. It's just stressful being a leader. It's just right. tough. People, you know, we say things that we try to feel tough. Like, well, if you don't want people to, if you want everyone to like you, don't be a leader. Right. And, and we kind of hide behind those sort of things as if to say, like, I, it's totally normal that I'm unhappy, that I don't want to go to work, that mm. I don't want to be. It's like, and we, and we actually normalize the wrong things. Mm. And we don't recognize it for what it is. So like if, 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 if a pastor is listening, and maybe we'll wrap up with this question, what are even, I don't know if you're comfortable answering this question, but what are some things we should be paying attention to in our own attitudes, emotions, behaviors that could be a, a red flag that, you know, we might normalize it, but it, we probably should be paying closer attention to it. As you're talking, I was like, you know what, I'm going to give them a little snippet into the world of counselors. And I think this would be really helpful for us to recognize as leaders. There's a distinct difference 
between a thought and a feeling. And so when I teach my students to recognize what's happening in the client, typically we as people, the client, you as a leader, we immediately go to the cognitive because we like to rationalize things. We, it's easier because it's tangible. And so when we say things like, I feel like ministry is really hard, that's actually not a feeling. That's mm. a thought. I think ministry is really hard, which makes me feel whatever. And a good rule of thumb that I think is a good red flag to have for yourself is anytime you, you are saying, I feel like, or I feel that, and it's not actually followed by an emotion word, likely you're going into the cognitive, you're going into the rationalization of hmm. this is just something I have to deal with. And so the red flag that I would say would be super helpful for everybody is to catch yourself saying, I feel like this is what's going on. And instead, whip out something called an emotion wheel. It sounds super elementary and primitive, and I get it. And you can do it in the quietness of your office and Google it right now without anybody seeing. That's okay. You just em Google an emotion wheel. And what happens is it gives you the six core emotions in the middle of the wheel. And then there are spokes. And those spokes are complex emotions that are related to that core emotion. So for example, perhaps in the spoke of sadness, that's a, that's a core emotion, sadness. Maybe in that spoke you hear loneliness or you hear devastation. Maybe in the anger spoke you hear resentment. And so there are different emotions that we feel that we can't really put words to. And that's okay because we haven't learned to yet. And so recognizing that your thought is not your feeling is the crux to be able to communicate what's going on within you with those emotions and use an emotion wheel if it's helpful. I know I do. I still do. Every now and then I'll whip it out if I'm sitting with a client and I say to them, you know what, I'm not really sure what emotion you're communicating. Let's whip this out together and look through those so that we can actually put a word to it because our, our thoughts are not our feelings. Wow. That's really, That's really great. helpful. I'm going to give Jared a second to collect himself. He's over on the other side of the table weeping a little bit. Um, <laughs> silent tears. Yeah, silent tears. No, I, honestly, that's like I had not thought it. I've not had that kind of – I've not processed that idea before, and and I really – now I'm thinking, wow, I, that's, that's something that's going to be very useful for me in terms of just being honest about – not just what I think, but how I feel. So thanks for sharing that. And I've had so many. I've had so many times in my life where I'm like, I feel something, and I'm like, I don't really know why I feel this or how to describe it. Like, it takes time to process it. So something like that would be super helpful for for mm. you know you be able to process why am I feeling what I'm feeling and what exactly am I feeling and helpful yeah. for, helpful for parenting too, right? I was going to just... say really <laughs> helpful with parenting and honestly in your marriages. I think that you don't care about me, which makes me feel lonely rather than you didn't do this type of stuff. And so I feel like you just don't care. It's so distinctly different. My thought is the way is not the way that I'm feeling. And imagine the type of vulnerability that can come up in conversations when you stop going to the cognitive and you allow yourself to be raw in that feeling. Yeah, that's great. That's great. The, the reason I love this whole conversation or one of the reasons is, this is so the this is so in line with the gospel 
that tells us, as David referenced, I think, in our first podcast, we're all broken. And that's okay because of the work of Christ. So there's nothing, there's no shame about this. There should be no embarrassment about this. This is totally in line with what the gospel says about who we are and how God is using different people like you and your profession and your experience to help bring wholeness, to bring heaven to earth in our own in our own emotional bodies. And so um, thank you so much for, for this conversation and, and hopefully what it's brought to the people that are going to listen to it. I'm glad I'm, be able, I'm able to be a part of it. I find this to be something that I really thrive in, these conversations in the Christian communities. This is something we need, and I really find so much joy in being a part of it. Yeah, well, we appreciate that and, um, and you. And we are going to close with the little portion we like to call David's Eats because we're not only making better leaders but and better eaters. But before we do that, if someone wants to find you, uh, are you on social media? Do you have an email? Is there a, is there a way to make that happen? Website? Or yeah. Website? Um, so you can email me at Krista, K-R-I-S-T-A-E, Kirk, K-I-R-K, at gmail.com. You can email me. Um, we are in the process of creating my website, actually. So when that comes alongside, I can send that along to people if they want if they want it. Awesome. That would be great. All right. So here's what we heard in the last episode, what kind of the best thing you've eaten recently. We won't spoil that. You got to go back and listen. But here's my question for you is the classic last meal question. If you could only have one meal for the rest of your life, that's it. What are you having? So it's not her last meal. This is the The forever meal. Rest of her life. She's going to eat this meal. Yeah. Yeah, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, or maybe, or maybe we should shift it. it. I don't know. What do you think? Should we do forever meal, or you only get one meal? This is it. What are you having? Because those are two different things. They are very different. Has to think nutritional if it's the rest of her life. <laughs> That's true. Right. All right, one only one meal left. What are you having? Forget nutrition. Oh, goodness. And if you need to say Frosted Flakes, that's fine. We won't judge you. No, I have two. My issue is that I have two, and I can't figure out which I want. Okay, so I'm actually going to choose. Just go and, remember? You taught us and, not but, and. (laughs) You're right. I'm not really sure they'd go well together. I will say my mom's curry chicken. My mom is from India, born and raised, and she has learned how to Americanize things in a way where it's not super strong and (laughs) Nobody in the world can make curry chicken like my mother. And so, and honestly, she's taught me how to make it. And I do, I eat it at least three times a week. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. At least three times a week, I'll make it and eat it, which is good for me because obviously it has all those spices in it. Um, But yeah, that's got to be it. It has to be. And no, nobody can get it anywhere other than mom's kitchen. So Mm. you'll have to visit there. (laughs) That sounds awesome. We take that as an open invite. Yep. There you go. We'll be there in a couple of hours. You won't regret it. I promise. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Krista Kirk, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for marrying our great friend, <laughs> Rob. Thank we you. love him. Okay. We love you guys and appreciate all that you've done uh, in uh, being on the Multiply Podcast. Thanks sure. so much, everybody, for listening. We'll see you guys on the next one.